third episode of the Origins of Home podcast. In this episode, we'll talk about the case for moving quietly, and I'll explain what I mean by that, Warren Buffett's inner scorecard, and my biggest gripe with the creator economy. All that and more on the Origins of Home podcast. Welcome to the Origins of Home podcast. I am Mariana Venceslao and I am your host. In the Origins of Home, we are contemplating home, family and life. Join the journey to become a better steward of the skills, resources and relationships we have. Okay, so I want to start with this story that I saw on the internet about Albert Einstein teaching a class. And I'm not sure if this is an actual story, but I think the lesson or the takeaway from it is very, very relevant. So allegedly, Albert Einstein was teaching a class and he was putting on equations on the board, like 9 times 1, 9 times 2, and so on and so forth until he got to 9 times 10, and he put down the answer 91. Obviously, that is not the correct answer for this equation. And then when the students noticed that, chaos started suddenly, because Einstein made a mistake. This was Einstein. How could this genius get such a simple equation wrong? So all of his students allegedly ridiculed him, and Einstein waited for everyone to be silent, and had a powerful lesson. The lesson goes, allegedly Einstein said. Despite the fact that I analyzed nine problems correctly, no one congratulated me. But when I made one mistake, everyone started laughing. This means that even if a person is successful, society will notice his slightest mistake, and they'll like that. So, don't let criticism destroy your dreams. The only person who never makes a mistake is someone who does nothing. This is a lesson that I took to heart. Yeah, so oversharing. I think with the advent of social media and the connectivity, the increase in potential connectivity that we have in our human relations, I think that gave rise, at least that's how I see it, it gave rise to our constant need to be sharing what's going on. And I felt I've fallen victim to that many times. But the thing is, it's not that sharing is a problem. It's not that creating uh, content or publishing stuff is in in and of itself a problem. What I want to take away from this Um, story from Einstein's classroom is it kind of links back to the second episode where we're talking about you know how to act even though you don't have uh, all the information or even though the risk still exists um, it's important to carry on and continue working toward the things that are important so this takeaway is to not let criticism destroy dreams because people will notice your mistakes and most likely your accomplishments and the things that you do right will not be as loudly encouraged, you know, as as a mistake often is. And this brings me to what Warren Buffett calls an inner 
or outer scorecard. And I got this uh, glimpse into how he thinks from his biography written by Alice Schroeder called The Snowball. So right in the beginning of the book, um, Warren describes what he classifies or defines as an inner scorecard. Basically, an inner scorecard is what will determine, or better put, um, what determines people's behavior is the fact that they have either an inner or an outer scorecard. And if someone, he goes on to mention, if someone manages to be satisfied with their inner scorecard, that will tremendously help them. And he puts it, he phrases it the following way. What would you prefer, to be the best lover in the world and everyone else thinking you're the worst, or being the worst lover of the world and everyone thinking you're the best? That can also be applied to basically anything that we do. He goes on to exemplify it as, would you rather be the greatest investor in the world and no one knowing, or being the worst investor and everyone thinking you're the best? Um, And he... It's easy to see that in raising children, for example, because if if the child's parents uh, care more about what the world will think or what someone else will think and ignore the way that the child um, behaves, actually behaves, then that child will end up developing an external scorecard and that um, or an external validation. And what happens when you create an external validation is that you end up needing approval of other people. And that's not really healthy, or that's not really going to move the needle. That's that's not really going to propel you to take action and carry on dreams and plans and projects. Because you always need someone else to be like, oh yes, you're doing a good job. Or yeah, you're on the right track, and way to go, and add a boy, and so on and so forth. But when you develop an internal validation system or an inner scorecard what ends up happening is you have your own set of values and rules and ambitions and it doesn't really matter if people are validating those things or not what will motivate you is an internal factor rather than an out than an outsider's factor or than an outside factor so that links to to einstein's um, story to the story that we shared before, because if someone with an external validation or an outer scorecard were to make a mistake in front of their students, that would most likely generate some psychological turmoil. (laughs) And they would, you know, maybe question their ability or... That's kind of also very much linked to the imposter syndrome, isn't it? Which is something that we see a lot in academia. And I can say from experience that it's very easy to fall victim of that within academia because you start to question everything when you're comparing progress, when you're, you know, analyzing a complex situation. If you have an external validation parameter, then it's very easy to fall into the imposter syndrome problem. And so that will most likely leave you discouraged or feeling like you're not good enough and so on and so forth. But alas, we cannot let criticism destroy us from pursuing our dreams, from doing what we know is right, and, you know, taking the path that needs to be walked. Which, it's quite a nice segue into the case for moving quietly. And that's what we're going to talk about next. 
What do I mean by the case for moving quietly? What is this moving quietly? I was talking to a friend the other day and it was like, oh, people didn't know that I moved until they saw me at my new house. People didn't know that I got a new car until they saw me driving around. And so there were other examples, but it ended with saying, yeah, just move quietly, move without, you know, making fuss over the process of showcasing everything, of sharing everything. And oversharing is, you know, it's become a staple. Most people we know nowadays have social media accounts and one of those is Instagram and I believe we all know what Instagram is. Most of us probably use it. I use it. And something that I've been thinking and working through ever since, you know, the pandemic hit was I started to become quite fussed, you know, quite angry with the fact that a lot of people could just go on and, and see glimpses into my life. And so that led me to, you know, like acquaintances or even people that I didn't know could just go on and see um, things that were usually meant just for family and friends. And so... You know, I could simply just make my my profile private, but to me that wasn't really enough. I I felt the need to kind of cleanse my my mind of this oversharing mindset, you know, of this overconnected mindset. And we all know where this stemmed from, you know, with the advent of internet and the increase in uh, connectivity and the increase in yeah connectivity in, in human relations and you know the rise of, of social media and our, our need to be constantly online our need to be uh, not missing out on stuff and our need to present our lives as as a highlight reel you know <laughs> all those things we're well aware of them and oversharing has become a current uh, contemporary problem and I think that adds also to the problems that we talked about in the previous episode. But the thing that I learned and took to heart and applied was we don't have to share every step of the process when we're going or working toward a goal or a project that is important. You know, but because what ends up happening is when we when we share every little progress, every little step, what ends up happening is people feel like they are entitled to an opinion. They are entitled to voice their criticism and that criticism isn't always, doesn't always present itself as constructive criticism. Sometimes it's just jealousy, sometimes it's just ill-informed opinion, sometimes it's just flat-out bad, you know, or malicious. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's nice, but... At least in my experience, what I've found is people feel entitled to nose in, you know, and probe into private business. When in reality, you were just trying to be like, oh yeah, look at this cool thing that I'm learning, or look at this progress that I've made on something. But maybe moving quietly is, is the better way to go. So this is my case for moving quietly, is with this podcast, for example, I, I haven't told the people close to me that I'm doing it. Um, I just take some of my free time and do it, and no one knows. And it's been, it's been a nice process, because it's learning. It's learning to put your head down and do the the hard work and do something that is that is exciting to you and that is you know interesting. It piques your attention, 
it piques your interest and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it you're not doing it for someone else you're not doing it to show anyone else you know it's just for its own value for its own intrinsic value and that i think creates discipline it creates resilience and it creates the perception or the the truer perception of why that thing that you're doing is is important or is valuable so yeah moving quietly it's it's quite a challenge but it's proving to be very rewarding And that is not the greatest segue, but I want to rent. I want to I want to go on a little tangent here and and rent for a little bit about my biggest uh, complaint with the creator economy. If you don't know what creator economy is, it's basically this new business model that we've seen arise in the past decade or so where individuals or small groups, small companies um, make a career and make a living and create whole businesses out of simply creating stuff to publish online. And that ranges from podcasting, uh, YouTube video making, TikToks, being an influencer on Instagram, writing blog posts, anything that has to do with Um, making stuff to post online and how that has created this new economic model you know basically a lot of money is being put into this economic model into this business model because a lot of brands and a lot of businesses want to connect with the audience and a good way to do that has proven to be or has shown to be to pay creators which is how people who post things online have been called. So brands pay creators in various different ways to talk about their product or their service or something. And yeah, this created a swarm of new businesses and and professions and all that. Basically, that's the creative economy. Of course, I'm not the uh, most qualified person to talk about it because I'm just dipping my toes into it. But that's the general overview. I have I have a serious problem with it. I dislike a fundamental aspect of this new uh, business model. And that was very well put. You know, this this problem that I have, this gripe that I have um was very well put by Strutless. He posted a video a couple of weeks ago, which is called The Problem with the Internet That No One Is Talking About. It's a great video. I've linked it below. It was my first video that I've watched from him. And it was very interesting, very insightful. And he, he managed to put into words and put into a cohesive narrative something that has been troubling me for years. And I, I just couldn't quite pinpoint the exact problem. Basically, what is the biggest problem with creator economy? Is that it has reduced artists into marketing people that's the simplest way to put it because when you when you start to change the name of something you start to redefine it and that's something that you know can be explored in various other topics 
but I want to just briefly mention this topic superficially. Um, if you change, if you name something, and that is something that can be traced back to, you know, biblical origins, um, when you... <sighs> Our ability to name stuff, to name something, it gives their, it gives that thing a definition. It gives them purpose. That is seen in the Genesis narrative when God says to man, go on and name every single animal. That is not just saying, oh, a cow is going to be named a cow, but it's, it's bringing about the purpose of a cow, which is something that I learned from another great, great book from John Walton, which I can talk about at length in a future episode, called The Lost World of Adam and Eve. Great book. It discusses the, the debate surrounding the origins of humanity. But that's not the point. Let's go back to creator economy. So when you start changing the name of someone that produces something creative and publishes it online, when you start to change the name of that person from an artist or a videographer or a painter or, you know, someone that sews, when you start to change the name and group everything together into content creator, you start to redefine what it means to be that thing. So what ended up happening over the past decade or so is that people who used to create something beautiful just because it was what they wanted to do, it was just their artistic expression, and you start to make it so an algorithm dictates what makes it into the mainstream and what makes it into the mainstream is what is going to generate revenue and make it possible to have a livelihood, you start to change the how can i put it you start to change the focus or the essence of why that artist is making that thing because if you if you make a photograph or if you make a video about a topic that you want let's let's use the podcast as an example if i start to see that the episodes that I make regarding a specific topic or the episodes that I make in a specific format, they are generating more traction, they are gaining more traction, they are, they are generating more interest from more people. What's going to happen is the algorithm in the platforms that this podcast or this show is being produced and distributed on um, is going to stop recommending that type of episode. And what the feedback that I'll get is, oh, this format is working. And so what ends up happening with the different creators online is that because they want to continue, you know, being seen and, and getting to um, more people's attentions, you know, getting more people's attentions, what ends up happening is you're going to get a feedback loop, you know, a positive feedback loop for the episodes that are doing well. And it's most likely that you'll stop making episodes just because you want to make them. You know, if I see that I really want to talk about Harry Potter, you know, for example, this is just hypothetical, but let's see, let's say I just want to talk about Harry Potter or I just want to talk about biblical intricacies that I've found that fascinate me. But these episodes about Harry Potter perform way, way better than the biblical intricacies episodes what ends up happening is if I want to continue having success with this project, I'll most likely continue making 
episodes about Harry Potter. And so in the long run, what ends up happening is you stop doing things just because they interest you or because, you know, they are relevant or because they are better. <laughs> and you start doing it just because it's what brings in the most revenue or the most exposure or the most people watching. And you start to reduce the artist to one artistic form, you know, a formula that fits the algorithm. And so what ends up happening is not just with that particular person, but everyone else within that niche is going to slowly develop the same method or the same style or talk about the same topics. And the way that is most clearly seen is that, you know, I was talking with a couple of friends a couple of weeks ago and one of them was, was kind of talking to us about this idea of, oh yes, I want to build a course, you know, to sell an online course. And then this other friend was like, oh yeah, but you should do it like this, this and this and that. You know, you have to follow these steps because, you know, you have to post every day on Instagram and you have to do this because it's what everyone else is doing. And this this little phrase, this little expression, because it's what everyone else is doing. I I hate it. I hate it. And I have always hated this idea. You know, what dictates that a valuable thing is just the way that everyone else is doing? What dictates that something different is not valuable? And this is what I've always kind of struggled with. Because the sameness that you start to see in a particular niche online, the sameness is nauseating to me. You know, you look at you look at different YouTube channels and you look at different influencers on Instagram and you start to see it's the same freaking thing. You know, people start thinking that they have to do the exact same formula to reach the same results. And I just I don't get it. You know, have your own voice. Be authentic. You know, you, you have unique abilities, so use those unique abilities because that's the only thing of value that you'll bring. I ended up getting cut off the, the end. My phone had a little bit of a malfunction, but that's essentially it. That's my, my rent, you know, I was just rambling on and on and trailing off but that's it you know like be authentic if you want to create something if you want to have a voice online if you want to make a business online then don't fall for the trap don't fall for the lie that you have to act a certain way just because everyone else you're following or seeing is acting that certain way the uniqueness of of who you are and the the different attributes that you're going to bring to the table are going to end up being way more valuable to the thing as a whole than if you just copy and paste someone else. Another thing that I was thinking about while I was driving home a couple of days ago regarding this topic of, of creating something of value, and that can be applied both to an academic setting or to science setting and to a creation, content creation online. Sorry for the dog that is barking out on the street. I can't control him. The thing that I was thinking about on the car the other day was that to create something of value, you need time. 
can't really shorten that period. So if you really want to create something of value, and this is again something that I'm applying directly into the projects that I have, is if I want to bring something new and valuable to the table, and if you want to do that as well, you need to gather input you know, like a a literature research type of thing, you know, gather what's known in that field, what is known about that topic, gather the resources of information regarding that thing. But then you have to take the time to think about it and truly think about it and digest all that information and process it. And then your brain will somehow make new connections and will create a new thought, will actually create something new that is valuable. So if you don't take time to process and really think through about that thing that you want to create, then you're just going to regurgitate what's already known and what's already been said. But if you take time to process the information that you've gathered, then you you actually have the chance to come out with something new that is intrinsically valuable. That's it. That's what I had to talk about today. Let me know if you like this type of rent uh, freestyling <laughs> or if you prefer a more structured essay. Um, also, let me know how you found this show. For now, I'll say thank you so much for tuning in. This was another episode of the Origins of Home podcast. If you'd like to leave comments or feedback, you can send us an email over at originsofhomepod at gmail.com. If you'd like to get the show in more people's ears, leaving a review would be lovely. I would also like to encourage you to send this episode to one friend you think will like to hear what we talked about today. You can see useful links for today's episode in the show notes. And that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.